0: uh um, so how much is that
1: welcome to the podcast editors mastermind the show the podcast about the business of podcasting for podcast editors hosted by the crazy for of us at least for now we'll talk more about that toward the end of the show but before we get started We'll just do quick introductions. I'm Brian Entsbinger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com.
2: I'm Carrie Caulfield-Eric. You can find me at yayapodcasting.com.
1: I'm Daniel
0: Abingeroth. and you can find me at rothmedia.audio.
3: And I'm Jennifer Longworth. You can find me at bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com.
1: Today, we've got something that we're going to talk about that I'm not a huge expert in, and I'm wanting to learn quite a bit about. But because we've got this mastermind, we have people with varying degrees of experience with hiring people to help us with our podcast production. And so we're gonna talk about hiring editors to work with people involved in post-production, all of that kind of stuff. It's something that I've done a tiny bit of, but not a lot. And so I'm looking to learn quite a bit. Before we maybe started talking about like the hows and the what's and the whys, I'm just kind of wondering for each of us, what's our experience been in terms of working with somebody else doing some of the editing for us?
3: So I started by being a subcontractor well, not started, but my experience with that was doing work for Matthew Passy and maybe somebody else and seeing that oh, look, I don't have to be in charge of this show, but I can come in and edit it. So I have a little bit of experience on that end of it, too. And then a few months ago, I guess in the last year, suddenly I'm like, I need help. And I brought on a couple people locally to help me.
1: How has that worked out for you so far? You did some subcontracting for Matthew. Now you've got a couple people that worked for you. What was that process like? How did that go for you? Which part? Uh, let's talk about bringing <laughs> other people on to work for you. Let's, let's talk about that part. <laughs>
3: okay. So as many folks know, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, and I've started the Lexington Podcasters Meetup group. And I went to that group specifically because I want to be centered in Kentucky, focused in Kentucky my hub is in Kentucky, whatever you want to say. So I went to that group and threw it out there. Hi, I'm looking for editors who's interested. And then I got a couple of people who said they were interested. The one girl I had met at a meetup. So I was familiar with her and the other guys. Like I work for the college radio station and I'm looking to build my portfolio or whatever. And I brought them on and gave them the two shows I hate working on the most. Um, One was a little bit easier than the other, but I didn't go through like an application process or a vetting or anything real formal. And the one guy, that relationship fizzled out because I wasn't on top of it sending him files. Mm. And then the deadline would come up. I'm like, oh, I didn't send in the files. I'll just do it myself. So that comes back to me being a poor manager. That's why he doesn't work for me anymore. But the second one, um, she is still willing to work with me, but the host of the show she was working on has decided to take it in-house and get his buddy to do the editing or whatever, and then they'll be back, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it's quite possible. I've seen that happen more than once.
3: And then I've also outsourced show notes, which isn't specifically what we're talking about, but I had to do a 1099 for my show notes writer, and I hadn't paid the contractors enough to have to do a 1099, but that's something you got to think of, is when taxes roll around doing that.
1: And a 1099 being the form that says, I paid this person, so I have to report it to the tax authorities to say, I paid this person so they can get their money out of them.
3: Yeah, that's how that goes. So
1: how about you, Daniel? I know that you're the one that originally raised the question, what experience do you have in the area?
0: So I've never worked with another editor, but I have contracted out the show notes, transcripts, and then I have an assistant to keep me organized and do the management for me. So yeah, so that's my experience. So I haven't hired, i worked with an editor.
1: You mentioned the virtual assistant. That's something that I always, I always kind of felt like if it's my business, I need to be the guy that's in charge because I'm a guy. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that that's the case because when I go to a doctor's office, it's not the doctor that's in charge, right? The doctor walks in and somebody just tells him, go here, go here, go here. The doctor's not in charge of anything except maybe payroll at the end of the month. And so I like that you've got it set up that way.
0: Like I'm good at the editing. That's what I want to be doing. I can't do as much editing and money generating activity if I'm spent doing like organizing my files and chasing back to my clients for their work or like keeping things organized. And as like my business has grown, Now I've got more clients to deal with. So, like, it doesn't make sense for me to spend a couple hours a week sorting files, getting everything in order, whereas I can just hire somebody to do all that for me. So whenever I come into work in the morning, I just look at my to-do list, and like, here's my priority of episodes to work on. It releases a ton of brain energy. I can't remember think of the word, but it's just like, now my brain doesn't have to focus on all this other stuff. I can focus on editing and growing the business and doing business related things.
1: And then Carrie, I think, uh, you've got what, like 200 contractors that work for you or something like that?
2: <sighs> no, not 200. So I hired an editor, you know, after I have been was doing this for about a year and I just needed somebody to kind of do the overflow and he's still with me and even though I have my caseload or my client load during the fellowship, I did my darndest to keep him. And then I also hired a year after that, I hired two more editors who are still with me. And I really did do everything in my power to like keep work coming to them. So they could just hang on with me. (laughs) And I think it's gone really well. Like there have been times where, Things have come up. I've needed to focus on other stuff and having them take care of like the editing. So I basically have them do a first pass. Usually they're taking out all the, ums, you know, all the filler, and then I'm reviewing it. And that has worked really well in terms of client satisfaction, actually. And my satisfaction, I did have a virtual assistant. She left to get married. Which was very sad. And absolutely. I have been
0: the nerve. Yeah. I've <laughs>
2: uh, been trying to replace her.
0: That's a tall ask to replace a good. It
2: is a tall ask. It is absolutely, you have to be able to trust that person. Like, you know, editors, and I love, I love the editors I work with. I really do not want them to leave me ever. No, you can't have them. But I think that virtual assistant role is like, key Mm -hmm. because as daniel said like it frees up so much headspace yeah you don't have to worry about oh did i reply to that email did i follow up with this did i send a reminder for this call or are all the files and all that junk that takes up space in your head um i really don't like to do (laughs) so (laughs) so i think what i'm going to end up doing now that the fellowship's over i'm going back to a full client load is I am going to transition the one editor who isn't an audio engineer because the other two are audio engineers. I'm going to transition her into a more like virtual assistant role because she does have the podcast management experience. She can answer podcast questions. I've been looking, kind of looking around for VAs and I started having this editor do quality reviews. To make sure, because I was starting to make mistakes. Um, (laughs) And I had a conversation with her and we were talking and I'm just sitting here thinking, like, why have I not asked her to be my VA? And that's one thing that I think is really kind of cool about working with somebody for so long is you do get to know them and they get to know your business and you build this level of trust and it's really awesome. Like they can do other things. They can kind of grow with your business. So, that has been my experience.
1: My experience for with in terms of subcontracting, I think has been really kind of twofold. One, I do subcontract for a production company. So, I'm not subcontracting for an editor, although the lady can do editing, but I'm doing all of the editing for her company, and so I have that. And then I've also for the past 5 or 6 months, I've worked with another editor. You guys all know who he is. Uh, Michael Jerry, excellent editor. He's done some great work for me. And so I've been able to start bringing him in a little bit. He does a good job, but I'm a control freak. And so that's been a bit of a challenge to overcome because that's, uh, (laughs) it's it's a thing. I'm just going to say it is.
2: It totally is. It's hard to let go. Yeah. like That was my biggest stumbling block when I first hired somebody is letting go and then realizing how much I needed to invest in that relationship mm-hmm. as a manager to get things done the way I like them done, the way I know my clients like them done. And that takes effort, but it has paid off in spades. I mean, yeah, it's a learning curve. It is. For sure.
1: And I think, you know, the first couple edits that Michael did, we went back and forth a couple times because there's just, there's a process of learning each other. I mean, this is the same thing I tell my clients, right? This is my first edit for you. We talked about all this stuff. I would like for you to listen through and make sure that this is what you were expecting to get. And if not, let me know, because we need to handle this now. And so I try to give that kind of experience to the people that work for me as well. I think, at least from my perspective, it's worked well. And I hope that it's worked well for Michael. Uh, And then I did recently bring on a bookkeeper to free myself up. But the VA thing is something that's definitely something I'm, I'm interested in looking at. I think one of the things that has kind of tripped me up in the past is when I think about bringing somebody on, I think about bringing somebody in long-term. And Michael, or Matthew rather, was commenting how we just had this conversation a few days ago. And it's true. He and I were, I think last Saturday we were talking because he looks around and he goes, you know what, I could be somebody's surge capacity. So if you want to go on vacation or if you get a bunch of stuff all at once, we talked about that. And I think that was one of the things that I thought about when we started talking about hey, we should do this episode. I was really only thinking, if I'm going to bring somebody on, I'm going to bring them on for years, right? But this could be something where a couple months out of the year, maybe there's some work and Matthew has his own gig, right? He's not trying to work for me. He's doing some work for me. And I thought that was a really valuable perspective. Have you guys ever tried something like that?
2: I actually have. And I have like a list of people that I'll use for one-offs, right? Editors I trust that I know can usually it's like kind of last minute that I know can turn it around that I know will do a decent job and that I know the rate's going to be reasonable because you know, not every client is paying you like $500 an episode, (laughs) not any client. (laughs) So that's also something to be mindful of. So I have this list of people that I know that are in my business's budget that I can outsource to in a pinch And if one can't do it, then perhaps another one can. And I think having a list, having a context like that is really helpful because stuff happens. I
0: hadn't thought about having that kind of surge editor because there are times where it's just like, I have all these episodes that need to be edited, but I also want to work on my YouTube video or I also want to do this thing right now, but I can't because I have deadlines. So having somebody can be like, hey, I need to need like these three episodes edited this week. Can you take care of it? And not have to worry about like keeping them, kind of like what, you know, Carrie's dealing with keeping a constant flow of work to them. Just something, somebody that's like, hey, this week I need this.
1: Yeah, I definitely like that idea. And it's something that I'm thinking about for sure now because I don't mind reaching out to a client and saying, hey, you know, I'm going on vacation in a month. So let's start getting ahead. I would much prefer to be able to say, I'm going on vacation for a month and this person is going to help you out while I'm gone. Now, if you'd like to, you can get me your stuff early and we'll get it processed. But if you don't, this is how we're going to work through that so that you can keep your schedule and just be aware that this will be the person during that time.
0: And having a VA helps in that situation too, because that's how I'm going to use my VA is like the client sends the audio, then my VA will send like, hey, editor, here's the episode you need to edit. Hey, show notes writer, here's your work. Hmm. And so I don't even have to like do the management aspect of it. I have a VA to take care of that, and then having just making sure, like following up, making sure everything's getting done. You know, I'll be doing that, but just all like the nitty gritty, I don't have to worry about.
1: One of the other. Oh, go ahead, Carrie. Sorry.
2: Oh, I'm going to say
0: that's really nice. The the problem is getting a system in place. I can handle it. Mm. I've tried like five or six project management systems at this point. Right. I think I may have found one, but now I'm starting to doubt it. But is that the
1: Sweet <laughs> Dash thing?
3: Oh, uh,
0: Yeah, it's really good, but it just might be too much.
3: What happened to Airtable?
0: Airtable is, I don't want to have to pay monthly for every client and every contractor. It's a monthly charge per user, so that's quickly going to turn into hundreds of dollars a month. And I'd rather not have to spend that.
3: Gotcha. So
2: speaking of hiring people, I actually found somebody on Fiverr to set up my suite Dash. (laughs) So I don't know how it's going to turn out. Like, he just sent me a video of everything that he did. I told him what I wanted. I showed him what system I was already using with Notion. And I was like, I want it to function like that, but I also want it to do these extra automations. And so fingers crossed that when I go look and see what he did, that it's set up and if not, I'll, I I kind of get it. It's just that I didn't want to spend all the time doing it. So that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean,
1: it's important. I mean, time matters. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then another thing I did was hire somebody just to help me with Instagram growth. And in full disclosure, I just went to Fiverr to find somebody. And this dude, he actually is really good. He wasn't very expensive. And in just seven days, he like, grew my Instagram followers? By like a hundred something. Wow. Oh, wow. And then he was like, though, he's like, you got to post. You got to post. So he was like keeping me accountable for my (laughs) Mm -hmm. roles, which I was really impressed with. You know, sometimes it's trial and error, but for like those types of jobs that you don't necessarily want to do or don't have time for or just don't have the, like with Sweet dash it was the emotional bandwidth. I just didn't have it. Yeah, And I just couldn't make the flow chart that I needed to. (laughs) (laughs) to set it all up because I feel like it needs a flowchart. So finding help there is really a valuable thing.
0: I used to edit a business-related podcast, and the guy had a guest on to talk about. So the guy ran like a VA company that was specific towards this industry. And the one thing that he said was, like, there are two reasons to hire a VA. One, to do the things that you're not proficient in and that they can do better. Or two, to do the things that you are proficient in that you just don't have the time or bandwidth for.
1: Just don't do them.
3: What about the things you just hate?
1: Like books. Don't do, don't even bother with accounting. Just don't. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I did that last night.
1: The things you hate are are things you typically
0: are doing now and are proficient at that you can don't have the bandwidth for. Okay. Like bookkeeping.
2: Gotcha. Right. Nice. And you can go back and listen to our Profit First episode.
1: Oh, man. I was listening to that again the other day. And just such a good reminder. I bought the book. Mm-hmm. I didn't just listen to three interviews. I went ahead and bought the book. <laughs> I'm going through it. I'm I'm being a grown up today. So that was a if you hadn't, didn't catch that one. It's episode 28. It was just published a couple of days ago. Very much worth the listen. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: I wasn't actually on that one, but I was here and yes, on the back end going, oh my gosh, I wish I was in this discussion, but I learned a lot.
1: And some of us might've been trying to invite you in. I don't know who that could have been, Daniel and me.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe, but that would have yeah. been so weird.
1: <laughs> so we talked a little bit about maybe not having to bring somebody on all the time, right? So do I want somebody who's week to week or month to month, or do I want somebody who's here for a few days when I need them or a couple of months, whatever that is? I think one of the other things that we need to think about before we go out and start hiring somebody or even consider hiring somebody is how do we want to work with them? Because I've typically thought of bringing on somebody to do soup to nuts. So everything from audio repair to final mix down. But the reality is, I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. How do you guys work together?
3: So with my girl, I will receive the files and I do the processing through RX seven. That's what I still have. And then I'll send her the processed files. But Because I don't trust the audio repair. Because the subcontractors, they haven't spent the money to get RX-7 advanced. (laughs) They're subcontractors. They're not making as much. They don't have the money to drop on this. So I go ahead and I process the files before I send them out. And I've never heard the term soup to nuts before.
1: Oh, sorry uh, really? appetizers to dessert. Does that work better? <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha.
1: So I mentioned that I work with Michael and the way we're, we're currently working together is I do the RX portion. He does the editing and then I do the final mix and master. And part of that was because I'm a control freak and we talked about that. Yeah. But part of that was also because the client that he's working on is not a terribly profitable client. And so for me to be able to pay him even close to what it's worth, I had to do a portion of the workload for that account to work out. However, I'm at the point where I'm going, do I really want to go the you do it all, this is your show, you work on this show route? Or do I want to divide it up between repair, mixing, cutting, and or mixing, editing, and then mastering? And I I don't know yet.
2: So I will say that I always start a new editor with just doing a first pass. So they're just strictly going in, cutting out the filler cleaning it up and this is just the interview and then they send it back to me.
1: So do they send you mixed down or do they send you back a session file?
2: Um, Session file or separate tracks. Like I have one that was sending me, you know, in the beginning with my first editor, I had him send back just the separate tracks. Now I have him send back the session file. However, now they can do, you know, they all now have RX, you know, at least standard. But I have like, I've have paid for them in the beginning to get elements. Oh. So I make sure that they have the software and I don't have the expectation that they have to purchase this, right? Because they're doing it for my business. So I will at least give them elements. And then they also get my course. Nice. So they can go in and learn how to use it. And then, you know, at that point, they can then do the pre-processing. They can do some mixing on it. They can do the first. So whatever they want to do, they send me back the session file. I will tweak things. I will just go over the content because I do have some content editing, you know, do content editing for my clients. And then I will tweak the mixing a little bit based on, you know, what I know the client likes because everybody has their own thing. And And maybe one of the things I should do is like, let the editors know. And I, I may start to do more of that. Then I do the mastery. And then it goes to the, the review editor or the quality assurance girl, I, <laughs> I which doesn't have an official title. So then she'll put her ears on it and she can actually now, since she's been with me for so long, if there's just like something simple that needs to be cut or needs to be smoothed out, she can actually take that you hmm. file into audition and clean it up and then send it back to me. So that's kind of the system.
3: Somebody mentioned control a minute ago, and you just are relinquishing so much control. And it's just like, whoo. Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm that not that sounds like a profit
1: second type conversation <laughs> if I have to pay for therapy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. No, it's just, I, the only way that, these editors can do what I want them to do and I can get my money's worth out of them and get that peace of mind is to actually make that investment in them and then trust them. And I have been working with these editors for years now. One of them's like started with me in like 2018, the other in like 2019. A long relationship now. And they have stayed with me through, you know, the feast and the famines. So I think that's because of that investment. But now some of them, like one of them has gotten so good. And like, (laughs) I'm like working really hard to give him work. So he doesn't leave me. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Which is a good problem to have, right? Because then that keeps you always focused on keeping the pipeline full, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because he is like, and I can always depend on him. And that's wonderful. Like there's no price tag on that. And I have given him raises like over time too. And Christmas bonuses, and whenever I can. And, you know, I just bought one, you know, the quality assurance girl, because I want her to, you know, start taking more of a VA role. I bought her a ticket to the Amplifying Her Voice conference because I want her to have that industry knowledge because I want somebody in a VA role that doesn't have to ask me, well, this person asked this, what should I respond? I want them to know that information because a good virtual assistant is going to be able to have the same knowledge as I do about this, like podcasting one-on-one stuff. Yeah. So it's an investment. It is an investment.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, transparently, I think I'd rather work for you than for me, Carrie. Just, <laughs> you're better, yeah, I better to your contractors than I am to me sometimes.
2: <laughs> I'm not
3: hiring yet.
1: That's okay. I'm pretty expensive. <laughs> so go, am go.
3: I. No. <laughs> that makes me wonder about how we pay them. I, I don't know if that was a question you had on your mind or not, Brian, but sure. how do you pay your contractors? I mean... Like, um, what's the going rate? Well, what's the going rate? How do you decide? Because one of my guys was getting X amount, the other one was getting Y amount, but it was based on the show and how much profit margin it had. Because I had show notes on one. So I had two shows that if I did it myself, I'd be making the same amount of money. But one of them I had show notes and a subcontractor editor. Another one, I just had a subcontractor editor. So they were making more. But I thought the other show was easier anyway. And so is it like make sure you come home with profit? Or make sure they're getting a fair wage? Which is questionable.
1: I would argue that there's some tension between those. So it's not inappropriate to take home some money for having found the client and continuing to manage. There's value in there, but depending on what that client is paying you for the work that's being done, and what the, in quotes, going rate is for someone to do that, a professional to do that, there's going to be some tension there, and you're probably going to have to work that out. The way I do it is when they take on a show, and this is you know one show one editor so just take that with a grain of salt we agree on the price and then when he finishes working on that episode i ask him to invoice me that way i've always got a record of the payment and it's clear that it's a business relationship not a not an employee all that stuff right so i'm trying to handle all of that stuff and go like this is the invoice from the company i paid the invoice this is how we're doing it that's how i do it i don't know how everybody else does
2: so all my contractors have different rates so i am using contractors, one in the Philippines, one in Egypt, and one in Chile. So what I do when I hire, sorry, that's my dad. What I do when I hire contractors in different parts of the world is I go and look up what the average wage is. And then I make sure I pay them a lot more. And that's a little bit different depending on what the episode is or what's in the episode budget. So for instance, I have one show that's 90 minutes. It's a premium rate. I pay more for that one. So I pay them essentially double for that. And then I have other shows that have higher, but you know, so I try to pay what's in that show's budget. I don't know that this is the best system because it's a lot of like keeping track. It's a lot of them keeping track. Sometimes I forget, right? (laughs) Sometimes they forget. So, you know, that's still a work in progress for me. You know, American editors or Western editors, I tend to pay the same price. So it doesn't matter if I do those one-offs. They're usually with people in the Western world where it's just the competitive rate, essentially. But I think one thing I have found working with people in the Western world and first world countries is that like, I don't know that they quite understand what the white label relationship is because sometimes I get like, I've asked for quotes and sometimes I am like, girl, I don't even make that much. Um, (laughs) Right. I don't have that in my budget, which is fine. But you know, when you're working for another company, it's good to remember that you don't have the overhead you don't have to worry about the managing the client relationship. You're not the one who gets yelled at if you make a mistake. You're just like doing the editing, turning it, you know, back in and it's cool, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so that's the only problem I really run into is uh trying to manage the expectations of the first world contractors in terms of doing the white labeling. Not everybody, obviously, but I have had some like, wow, I should be working for you (laughs) (laughs) this.
1: Do your clients know that you're having somebody else do the editing?
2: Uh, Yes and no, because, you know, I do let them know up front. I let them know in that consultation. However, I think they forget because all they get is me. Sometimes when there's a mistake, they're like, oh, did, you know, somebody else do this and, you know, Oh, I'd have to be, most of the time i have to be like, no, <laughs> no, that mistake was all me. Um, because, you know, most of the time they're doing a the first pass, they're doing that grunt work. And I review everything and I master, you know, I do the mastering process for everything. Mm-hmm. So I have put ears on it, which is why I hired somebody for a quality review because, yeah, I'm not always perfect.
1: Quality control is something that I've been considering adding to my offering as well. I've been thinking about actually hiring a transcriptionist to review an automated transcription using Descript so that I can say, hey, I'll deliver you a transcript for this amount. But then that also becomes the quality control step where they say, hey, I heard this or this sounded weird and trying to leverage that relationship to maybe also catch potential issues.
2: Yeah,
0: having quality check has been a huge help for me.
1: So you have somebody that does that for you also?
0: Yeah, my assistant does. Oh yeah.
2: yeah. Well, that's like, again, that's why I was like, well, that can be something um, my quality control person can step into that VA role. That's absolutely something that mm-hmm. that because anybody can listen to a podcast and be like, oh, that sounds bad. Yeah. And <laughs> never listen again. Yeah. And I just want to give a shout out to Helen King. I did some coaching with her and she's just crushing it. So she's going to, we can all go work for her. (laughs) Awesome. Cool.
1: I didn't realize she had four positions open, but that's great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You do. Right.
1: Um... (laughs) So we talked a little bit about the scope of work and that kind of stuff. But I think what originally brought this whole topic up was Daniel asking the question, what should we ask if we want to interview an editor? Daniel, do you want to share a little bit about your, your thought process and what was going on and what you were looking for.
0: So I know like one non-negotiable for me is they have to use my DAW. I use Reaper. So I knew like I had to find people that were proficient in Reaper. Fortunately, I have a Facebook group full of podcast editors that use Reaper. So I had a source like put an application out too, but I didn't really know what to ask beyond like, Hey, what's your name? Your email. And like how long they've been using Reaper, like what are their tools they're using? And like their turnaround time so then i threw it to the mastermind and got some great ideas and then one that brian that you mentioned that i really liked was the philosophy of editing yeah which like for me it's like you know a good editor you never know that they were there and error on the side of sounding natural as opposed to removing every disfluency so i think that's like a really good vet to kind of see like where they're at and whether
2: or not you're like philosophy of the line you want to hear something funny? Yes, always. That kind of goes along with this is I was interviewing for kind of a big job not too long ago. And that's one of the questions that they asked. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So. Well,
1: the interesting thing about that question is it, I mean, it's easy to either lie or to be aspirational or to maybe not have an accurate picture <laughs> of what you think, right? So if you've listened to this show and now you go, I'd like to work from Daniel, you would say, well, my philosophy is you shouldn't be able to tell that I was there. (laughs) But then there's the question of, can you actually deliver the goods, right? My philosophy on that is that it's perfectly appropriate to ask somebody to do a trial edit for you. And I'm not talking about like a 90-minute episode, although if you want to edit an episode of the podcast Editor's Mastermind to prove that you've got the skills, believe me, if you can do this show, you've got some skills. (laughs) Um, But... Many have tried. And (laughs) I don't know, in my mind, like two to five minutes is enough. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, actually. Uh, Depends on the show. Well, so here is what I think it was Carrie Green who said this or Daryl Darnell. I can't remember which one, but they said they actually take audio with very specific problems, little clips that they know that editors are going to have to deal with. And then they give them those to do a test edit. And if they can't solve those problems, then we're not talking about anything like super complicated. We're talking about, you know, mouth clicks, a little bit of background noise, leveling problems. So if they can't do that, they're not the editors that you want to work with. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. I think I
1: remember Daryl talking about something like that, where he said he also does that because he knows that they're going to have to send it back because no editor that has ever tried to edit whatever it is that he sends them has not returned at least one issue. So he's also looking to see how do they deal with having to go back and retouch something, which you, know, you can ask somebody like, how do you deal with stress or having to do something again? And if they really want the job, they'll say, I'm great at it. Right. <laughs> but when push comes to shove, I don't know that any of us really like to do the second pass. Right.
2: And then how do they handle criticism? Are they going to like be angry at you? So,
1: yeah. What about the rest of you? Do you have any, like, I don't have a sample to send anybody other than an episode of the Podcast Editor's Mastermind, which is probably not a fair, <laughs> fair piece of work to send for what I m- normally do. Trial by fire.
3: <laughs> what? Four tracks? And cats. Parents. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cross talking and all sorts of crazy stuff. And then Carrie's crazy voiceover. We should send them
2: the episode 28 to do and ha- make them have to like line everything up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I did not send a test run to, not like a a small sample, but I can see if I had the same few minutes to send to everybody, that would be a good idea. I think the one girl ended up doing a better job on one show than I did. I was like, okay, well, she can keep it. That's
0: kind (laughs) of what I'm looking for.
3: She's doing a better job than me. (laughs)
0: Because one of the questions was, like, what's your approach to editing and can you share your process? And I was reading one of them. And it's like, oh, that's a really good idea. It's like, I want to hire this person just so I can piggyback awesome. off what they're doing and learn from them. <laughs>
1: that's, uh, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> you should share with us what that was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to, like, look at the responses and figure out which one it was.
1: Yeah, no, later, not live. That's going to be our little secret. <laughs> so, what was your, sorry, what was your question? Just do you have a, a section that you send for a sample edit? That's something that I think I need to do. I think it's worthwhile.
0: Yeah, I don't have one. I need to find one. And then it's like, do you want to send them something like our show, which is going to be a real challenge or something more in line um, with like what you do? Like sending them one of your clients, like a sample from your client. But then it's like, can you do that ethically or do you need to talk to your client first? I mean, like, hey, here's what I'm looking to do.
2: I think you need to talk to your client first about that. I don't think that there's anything wrong with sending them our show because... First of all, it's like worst case scenario, right? (laughs) And if they can reasonably deal with four tracks, like because I have like tried to hire some editors who were like, well, I've never, I've only worked with one track before. Like that's all I've ever done, which is a surprise because that's what some editing programs or like uh, podcast VA programs, they only teach like that, how to edit one track. And so it literally is a new experience for them. If I can throw them four tracks and they can kind of figure out how to put everything together and make everything sound decent, even if they needs revisions, I'd say that was successful.
1: If you send them like just the first five minutes of our show with whatever their lead is so that they have to line stuff up, like that'll really show mm-hmm. can you follow instructions? Because I found a number of people when we had people reaching out to us who wanted to edit the show, they're like, oh, yeah, I can totally do this. And you send it to them. Like the instructions literally say at this point in the intro, this is where the interview portion starts as you fade out under it. And I get them back and it's faded out over 30 seconds. And then 10 seconds later, this stuff starts. And I'm like, I mean, it was literally right there. And all you. (laughs)
2: There's a video that goes with it. Well, I did.
1: I mean, we've had some people reach out that I didn't necessarily think could actually pull it off. And so I want to give them the chance. And I also want to set them up for success because I realized that this is a challenging edit. And I sent it to them and I'm like, send them a video. This is where all of the things are. This is how you can line it up here, here, and here. This is what you do. I've got some timestamp notes for places where stuff happened. Don't cut out all the, all the breaths. And we get something where all the words are smushed together. The breaths are all gone. It's been compressed until, and not compressed well. Like you can compress the snot out of something and still have it sound good if you do it right, but it wasn't.
2: So the other thing that I really like when I'm like hiring somebody is how enthusiastic are they so one person who was like i never worked on anything but more than one track actually came back and said that to me and then said but i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna watch this video on how to do it yeah and then i'll send it back to you cool and i was like that's awesome that's the kind of person like if you're just honest about it And following directions is a big thing, because if I tell you to email, like if I put up an ad and I say, email me and you try to DM me, you know, (laughs) you you do anything else but email me, you don't put the right subject line that I tell you to put in. You're just gone because, you know, I'm going to get 500 emails. right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Whenever I put the application in my group, I made sure, like, do not DM me. Yeah. Fill out this form. Right. Fortunately, nobody did, but I was like, if anybody DMs me, like you're automatically... One, because unsolicited DMs are gross and don't do that. And I don't want to work with somebody like that.
2: Well, I don't see him either, right? Yeah. But I see him like six months later.
0: And two, like you didn't follow directions, so that's going to be awkward. And, uh...
2: So if you can't follow directions in the application portion, then like that's so important. It's just follow the directions.
0: Mm-hmm. I was saying maybe I should have made my... Application process more complicated to test their direction following skills.
1: Click here for page two. I have done that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Don't answer any of the questions on page one. Please proceed to page two. Oh, snap. Are you only promoting this in the Reaper editing group? Or were you putting this out somewhere else too?
0: So far, I've only done the Reaper group. One, because it's my group, so I want to give them priority and like kind of first dibs. So, hey, if you're not in the Reaper group, join and you get first access to whatever.
1: As long as you use Reaper. As
0: long as you use Reaper, yeah. And if you're not, if you're using Reaper and you're not in the group, what are you doing with your life? I don't understand.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <You don't-
3: laughs> it's called Reaper for Podcasting? Yeah.
0: Yes. Or go to reaperforpodcasting.com for group. And then Michelle is going to post in Just Busters because I'm not allowed in that group. Because I work with a lot of female podcasters, and I want to have like a female perspective in the editing process as well.
3: Yay. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That's actually something I've thought about, because it does seem like even in the Hindenburg group, there's a fair number of females, but it is still biased toward dudes a little bit. And I'm not sure how to overcome that you have to reach out to women.
2: You happen to know somebody, actually, you know, two people.
1: I do. And you've been very helpful in getting people in that group. I don't want to say that you haven't, (laughs) but it's still biased.
2: Right. Right. So if you want to work with women, you have to like reach out to your women friends.
1: And yes, Helen, the second time in two days, Reaper has been mentioned or recommended. Is it a sign? It is. It's a sign that you should totally go with Hindenburg. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because, <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily no but reaper is a solid Burn. piece of software somebody interviewed me earlier this week asking if i didn't have hindenburg what would i use and the answer is reaper audition because i can buy reaper one time and be done with it audition i buy every mm-hmm.
3: month oh i know
2: yeah audition is like you either love it or you hate it and at this point i just i just know it I just don't feel like learning anything else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That's the thing. Is like, if you're proficient in a DAW, there's really no need. I can't think of like a feature that any one DAW has that's worth switching.
1: No, unless you want to switch anyway. Other than cheaper.
2: But you know what? I have a free Pro Tools account. I have Reaper. I have Audacity. I have Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. And I have Audition on my computer. So
0: the time cost of learning a new DAW is tremendous.
2: Yeah, but I will if I have to. And if you pay me enough, I will learn any DAW. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you saw, but Ashley said um, when it comes to the whole women thing, it's been that way since before podcasting was a thing. Yeah,
1: definitely agree.
2: And totally, absolutely, Ashley. So it's up to you guys to like change that. Definitely. Mark Dale says, learn your DAW over switching. Yeah, be proficient. And then I think it's a little bit easier once you know what your DAW does. And then Mm -hmm. switching is just a matter of finding all the buttons.
0: Yeah, because they're all essentially doing the same thing. It's just Reaper does it better.
1: (laughs) I think maybe one other thing that we haven't talked about in terms of bringing on contractors is contracts. Yeah, with my clients, this is something I have in place, but truthfully, I don't actually have a contract in place with the editor that works with me. What do you guys do? How do you approach that?
3: Well, when I was a subcontractor for other folks, I didn't sign a contract. And so when I brought on contractors, I didn't have them sign contracts and I pay them through PayPal or Venmo. So it's probably not the best setup.
2: I always make everybody sign in non-disclosure oh. okay. because the worst thing that I think could happen is that they say anything about my clients that my clients don't want said i
0: hadn't thought about that
2: yeah that my clients don't. everybody gets a non-disclosure i treat all my clients like i have a non-disclosure with them that's like kind of standard for me and i wasn't really doing contracts with my contractors however i do have like in my notion i have kind of a policies mm. for them like what to expect how we work, how I work specifically. I do let them know when I, I talk to them, I do let them know that, like, sometimes I'm bad at, like, communicating or responding. <laughs> like, if I'm just done with the <laughs> what, internet for the day, I'm just done. If it's pressing, I will get back to him or I'll have, you know, my husband take care of it. And I also have, like, sick days. If you are sick, if you are not able to do anything, please let me know, like, Immediately. So I can make sure that the work is covered, that kind of thing. And just, I also have a thing that says, you know, when you're out in the wider world and you're representing our company. So like, don't be a jerk, you know, Will Wheaton's rule, you know, be nice to people, that kind of thing.
0: One thing I want to include in mind is a non-compete clause. Like you can't yeah. talk to my clients. Don't steal
2: my clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't steal my clients. You know, that's very smart and it's probably something I should have, but because I, you know, the work ebbs and flows and because I did the fellowship, I have encouraged my contractors to do work elsewhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, like I don't want them to like, they can't work for other editors.
2: Right. I just don't want them to steal my clients. Exactly. Right. Right.
0: You can't go after my clients.
2: Although I have given a client to a contractor. Yeah. It's just like, you can have that one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's easy enough to write in as a without prior written permission. So I actually wrote a contract to subcontract for somebody else and the work hasn't come through. But the way that worked, because he is an editor, I wrote the contract and said, can't contact or pursue for business purposes or something like that. Any client that is known to work for this person for... 12 months after the end of the relationship or something like that. Mm -hmm. That was actually a little bit tough to figure out how to write it out because I'm not a lawyer, but that seemed important.
0: I don't want them talking to my clients. Not so much as like, I don't want, I'm afraid that they're going to steal a client. Cause like one thing, like, I don't think that's going to happen because I have such a strong relationship with all my clients, but two, I don't want any confusion with my clients. They talk to me, my wife slash business partner or my assistant for certain things. I don't want them to in like, okay, well, it's an editing question. Talk to them. It's about your show notes. Talk to this part. Like, yeah, I want very few, like they contact any three of us and that's it. Right. Yeah. And they don't have to like worry about who they need to contact. Right.
2: And I often, because sometimes I think about like the whole agency model and then I feel like that's why there are account managers. hmm Right. That's
1: exactly why. Mm-hmm.
2: But then you watch something like Mad Men and then the account managers steal the clients.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's always, uh, or Jerry Maguire, same that's, thing, right? <laughs>
2: yes, that's, there's always a risk. So I wasn't always a fan of contracts, Ashley Lynn, or Ashley Lehman, but I am so getting into them and I am building them into my system and employee handbooks. Yeah. Because I feel like my contractor thing is kind of an employee handbook.
0: I hadn't thought about that. I like contracts. I don't like creating them.
2: Oh, I don't like yeah. them. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Fair <laughs> I enough. Don't. I want them in place, but I don't want to do the work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I make, like, sections. So I've been using I.O. even though I can do it in, like, a gazillion other things. I've been using I.O. because that allows me to, like, save contract sections, right? So I could have, like, all the, like, super legal jargon, you know, by section. Mm-hmm. Like, payment terms, scope of work, that kind of thing. And then I can just save it, copy it, and tweak it. Is I kind of like am able to repurpose it, which has been really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, we need to probably go ahead and wrap this up. Because before we go, I wanted to give Jennifer a chance to share a little bit about what's going on. Because there are some changes coming to the podcast, Editor's Mastermind. So, Jennifer, do you want to share?
3: Well, that's really open. I can say whatever I want now.
1: You can. <laughs> you can, as long as it's good
3: about me. Uh-oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, this is my last for now episode of the podcast editor mastermind show because i uh, about six months ago started working as a real estate receptionist at a real estate office and now i've moved up to office manager and that takes a lot of my brain away (laughs) by the time i get home i'm like especially with my kid home she wants me to feed her what it's so annoying what i know i don't (laughs) understand this i she it's not like she's small She's 18. <laughs> she can feed herself. But she expects me to, you know, cook dinner for her and everything and then after working all day. And I'm still a podcast editor. I haven't subcontracted enough of it. Out. <laughs> so my evenings, I'm like cooking or editing or sleeping or, you know, not doing anything. Something had to give And so I'm Stepping down for now
1: So For those of you That are watching I'd just like to encourage you To Stop by Jennifer's Facebook profile And show her a little bit of love Let her know that you'll miss her Because We suspect That she'll be back When she realizes She can't live without us I know
3: right (laughs) But it might take
1: some time Because we are An acquired taste (laughs) Uh, do we have time for the uh, Poddex question of the day? Always.
3: Sure. If we say so.
1: All right. So today's Poddex question of the day is, who would you like to sit to, next to... Can't even read.
3: <laughs> not a
2: requirement for this job. Nope.
1: <laughs> I'm a podcast editor, not a podcast narrator. <laughs> who would you most like to sit next to on a 10-hour flight and why?
2: Um, Nobody, because I hate to fly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> or Daniel, maybe in your case, who would you like to sit next to on a bridge going to Memphis for 10 hours? Isn't there a, a bridge breaking or something <laughs> near <What>? Memphis? <laughs> <laughs> they had to
0: shut down the main bridge coming into Memphis because they found a structural crack.
2: That's so Delaware. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we do that stuff on purpose here.
0: Can I say my wife? Oh, yeah. yeah, you
1: definitely can.
0: Yeah, Out of anybody, I would have to say Michelle. Is that, is that a cheater answer?
1: I mean, no.
2: <laughs> so I have sat next to my husband for like a 12 hour drive. Does that, we had a great time. I bet you did. I was on a train ride.
1: <laughs> How about you, Jennifer? Who would you like to sit next to for a 10 hour flight?
3: Oh, oh. I'm going to sleep, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> a pharmacist with a
2: lot of Xanax. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: There's
2: no hesitation there.
3: Yeah. Ah. Uh... Oh. I don't know. Maybe one of my pals from the UK who I don't ever get to see. Mm, that's a good one. Caroline, who we've only hung out like we had a great day on the beach the one time, but I don't see her. So
2: if we had like a podcast conference on a plane. Yes. Oh, who would
0: we
1: want to attend? Well, yeah, maybe that should be our next one because that'd be that'd be fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot of fun.
0: I got a handful of answers right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I. I felt like I had an answer until Daniel reminded me that I could also include people that I'm actually likely to sit next to on a plane, which would be my wife. (laughs) I was thinking of people that are unlikely to sit next to me, but definitely wouldn't mind sitting next to Catherine for 10 hours or more on a plane. That's been fun in the past. If I had to choose somebody that I didn't get to sit next to and haven't really met, I would probably say Daryl Darnell, because I'd like to pick his brain a bit about running an agency.
2: You haven't met. Yeah, but I feel like you need to get him drunk first.
0: Well, I've, It's a 10 hour flight
1: We can make that happen I mean I don't really drink So I could give him mine I guess
3: You haven't met Daryl?
2: No I haven't you, Oh cause you Cause I'm not cool Like you guys oh. I've been in the same room As him You've been on the same Zoom call as him For sure
1: Which is almost the same Yeah Yeah I definitely have Yeah P.E.C. 2020 I mean yeah Mark If we can have more than one person Definitely have that P.E.C. flight We might even invite you mm-hmm. If we let people from Atlanta come
2: Who do we know with a jet?
1: Do not even able
3: to- I don't know. I don't know. Wow. I'll have to see if it's free that
1: weekend, but... <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're probably going to need to wrap it up because this has quickly taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. You're muted, Carrie. <laughs> I'm Daniel Avendroth. You can
0: find me at rothmedia.audio. And if you want a copy of the podcast editor application that I created, you can find that at podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash editor application. And there'll be a link in the show notes.
2: I'm Carrie Caulfield, Eric of (laughs) Yaya Podcasting, and I did find the unmute button. Uh, (laughs) And if you want to be a guest on our show, you can go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com backslash be a guest.
3: And and I'm yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> i like it's me. Why are you talking? Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs>
1: no, you you're can't dead ever to us. You're leaving. You can't ever
3: <laughs> <laughs> <accent>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm Jennifer Longworth, and you can find me at BourbonBureauPodcasting dot com or across social media at KY podcasting. Ky stands for Kentucky.
2: And do give her love, yes. folks. Give her lots and lots of love in this time of need (laughs) of a break from
1: us pray for us because we got to figure out how to go on without jennifer so sad yeah
3: Yeah. (laughs) you're gonna have to do like the the three like side by side thing on Streamyard. i know it's you know what we could do guest hosts
1: guest hosts yeah
3: guest hosts. i mean nobody
2: will be able to fill your shoes right but we can let people try
1: yeah so if people want to be a guest carrie's already given you the information for how to do that and if you would like to demonstrate your mad skills as an editor you can also reach out to us we have an episode of the podcast editors mastermind that you could do for practice or if you'd like to edit this one and try and turn it into something even relating to a conversation <laughs> just let us know podcasteditorsmastermind.com thanks everybody bye
2: <laughs> bye all turn down your game bye ah uh, um, so how much is that <gasps> Um um,
0: uh, um, 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 so, um, um.
1: Uh,
0: uh. <laughs> 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 yeah.